You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. We are live from second period or second intermission of the Coyotes Vancouver game. And I am very worried about this third period. So to talk about that some more with me, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie, how you doing? I'm doing terrific, Corey. I decided to take some time off of roasting people on Twitter over the last 24 hours to watch this game against the Canucks and then do the show with you and talk about how frustrated we are at this game and the fact that the Coyotes can't score against a team with goaltending issues who have given up four goals or more in the last like three straight games that they've lost and the Coyotes only have one goal. And in case you missed it, Corey, can you please explain to the Sporting Nation the first call of this game? Because it was, it was very, the very weird. The first goal of this game came from literally some type of like holy or divine intervention. And and I don't care what you believe in. If you it, by now most of you must believe in the hockey gods, which is some type of weird voodoo mystical shit that happens in hockey. And people love to call it puck luck. It is some weird shit that happens that you cannot explain. And that is what happened on this goal. So Carl Stoderberg had basically just boomeranged the puck in the air. Like he, he went after the puck came off his stick. It was like it was boomeranging back to him. But instead, hit the back of the goaltender and then went into the net. The I don't know what the physics of it was behind it, but it was not natural. I can tell you that much. It it was funny because I had seen someone um, talk about it on Twitter, and they said that it wasn't just a greasy goal. It was a bacon grease goal. And I kind of like that because it was the weirdest goal that I have ever seen and I wouldn't necessarily like call it greasy in the fact that it was like hard fought greasy as much as it was I had I don't know I had tweeted out something saying that it was about time that the hockey gods defied gravity so this team could score but it is really sad that that is what it takes for this team to score where they have to essentially defy gravity and use a goaltender against himself in order to score because they are not doing very well when it comes to capitalizing this game. Taylor Hall had a great uh, breakaway there and couldn't capitalize. He's been on a little bit of a dry spell the past couple games. And when you are averaging uh, shots against per game 
three shots against per game. You need to be scoring more than one goal. And in general, in the NHL, you have to be scoring more than one goal if you are expected to win games. In this dry spell that they keep having of these low-scoring games are not going to be the way that they're going to make it in the playoffs. Yeah, that Florida game was the kind of the first one where you're like, wait a minute, they really only put up two goals against one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They're doing the same thing against Calgary or Jesus Vancouver tonight, where um, only giving only scoring one goal on the first you know 29 shots, 18 minutes left to go in the third period. It's uh, very frustrating. You know they had a big game uh, against um, uh, their last game at home. They had a big game where they scored five unanswered goals. And uh, in that game, and then they had the seven goals against Tampa. So they'll like they'll show up once in a while, but they can't seemingly do it on a consistent basis. And and like like for example, like tonight is a perfect example of where they've had. And you mentioned it a little bit. They had uh, we shit you not, Sporting Nation. Probably what four legit breakaways. Phil Kessel had one. Lawson Krause had one. Taylor Hall had a great one in the second period. And Clayton Keller, I thought, had a, a partial breakaway in the first period. 0 for 4. Can't score on breakaways, on on plays where the Canucks kind of are slow to react to the Coyotes' speed a little bit, and the Coyotes can't bury the puck. And like that seemingly has been a trend like all season long where this team just gets snake-bitten on these damn breakaways. This game probably should be at least 2 or 3 to nothing if they bury those breakaway chances from your big-time scorers like Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall who were supposed to put those pucks behind goaltenders and score for you, and they didn't do it, and that's so frustrating. So basically in a game like this, Darcy Kemper has to play perfect. And to ask your goaltender to do that, even though Darcy Kemper has played at an elite level all season long, is just too too much to ask in a playoff race. Also here, if another player gets accidentally pushed in a Demko, the Canucks will start losing their shit. Like, it, th- this has not been any fault of the Coyotes in both of these situations. Um, the first one being um, the, the first one being when Tanev and Hall were fighting for the puck and they both fell and they hit Demko, who is like sh- way, way, way outside of his crease trying to play the puck. Um, and then um, they just hit Osterley into um, into the crease, who hit Demko as well. And I think that we may get a fight before the end of this if this keeps happening. I'm just really hoping that it doesn't involve Hall because the first one was supposedly um, going to be involving Hall right after that incident, which I don't know how you can associate that with that being Hall's fault when he was assi- – essentially just trying to fight with Tanev over getting to the puck. But um, as for the the breakaway situation, I would really love to see that stat. I would love to see the stat of how many breakaways they've had this year and how many they've actually been able to convert on because they Wait. have had a horrible time converting on any of these breakaways. And those should be some of the easier goals that you can get. And as you were talking, I was watching the game, and the Coyotes just got called for the biggest piece of bullshit penalty you'll ever see. Oh fuck this game! This game is this game is just bullshit now. The game has gone to bullshit. 
Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Wait, was yeah. that literally because Clayton Keller just put his, his glove on whoever that was his head? Clayton Keller got basically boarded along the boards. No call. But then they gave... He lost his helmet, too. They, yeah, and then they gave Clayton Keller a penalty for roughing. And then, just wait about 30 seconds, because I know you're delayed, and you'll see why I'm uh, pissed. Oh, shit. Yeah. We, that's exactly what we were just talking about. We were just talking about only scoring one goal. That's not going to get it done. Granted, there was a bullshit penalty call to begin with, but... Frustrating. This is stupid. Why do we record these during games? It just flusters me. I don't like it. it makes me sad. Because this game started at 8.30 at night, so if we waited till the end of this game, we would be recording this thing at midnight. Yeah, that's a no for both of us. We're both night owls, but... We won't... Can you... No. Yeah, we'd fall asleep in the middle of the show. <laughs> like, we're, we're night owls, but we're not, like, recording a podcast-type night owls. Mm-mm. And we, we kind of have to send our podcast in by a certain point for it to, um, to be okay. I, I'm assuming they are watching it as well, though, because our, um, our illustrious... Uh, Creators, owners of the um, Hockey Podcast Network um, are on Vancouver Island, so I'm sure they are uh, watching this game as well. Um, but they may actually be there. I don't even know. But So they definitely are going to be up for all of this, but we don't really like to send, um, send our podcast in that late anyway. So we kind of have to be recording during this game. It's very frustrating to be reporting and watching what just happened there um we knew it was kind of coming though we were all getting a little bit worried coming into this third period because if you are only trying to hold off a team with a one goal lead you will not get very far in the nhl and that was actually something that i had a conversation with someone earlier this week was um someone at my my day job had said that they had taken their girlfriend to um the Coyotes game and it was that Tampa Bay game and that it was, you know, that, what was it like seven to three or seven to four or whatever it was. And I go, wow, that's brutal. And he goes, well, why is that brutal? And I go, because a seven, like, you know, a 10, 11 goal game, that's, that's pretty brutal. And he's like, but I'm a Coyotes fan. Like that they won. That's a good game. And I go, no, in, reality of hockey you are not going to ever go to a game that is that exciting if you're going to a game that has that many goals in it usually it's actually not the greatest hockey game to be watching and your girlfriend whose first time ever going to an nhl game is going to be expecting that and the coyotes of all people i can guarantee you will not be scoring anywhere close to seven goals in a game so that would be a rarity for a very, very long time. So I hope you explained that to her and made sure that that's not what she expects because that will not be what she will be getting out of this team. Well, as long as they enjoyed themselves, that's all that matters. Like Speaking of, of fan experiences, the game on the 29th, the most recent home game for the Coyotes, it was the, the first official iteration of the AZ Rabbids in attendance. And they actually put them up in one of the suites and sold out game on a Saturday night. And uh, and they ended up 
and and it was awesome. That was and they they sold out that uh, the the uh, the suite there against Buffalo in that five two win, and and they were loud all game and it was great. And I want to I want more of it constantly. That is absolutely awesome. I am so sad I missed that because I've been wanting to see how they are. That that is the excitement that I feel like the Coyotes have been missing for a while, and so I'm really glad that they're going to be around. And that's going to be part of the new fan experience because, uh, like I like I told you, Richie, the only thing that's missing is that uh, red smoke. That oh my god, an awful turnover. Sorry, um, but oh shit. <laughs> Sorry, you're hearing my like actual reaction watching this game as the second goal. Clayton Keller, played. man, that was Clayton oh, Keller my... fucking up in his in the offensive zone, turning the puck over. He he had a great game against Buffalo. Great game against Buffalo. Yeah, so so yeah, let's let's sit here and talk about Clayton Keller's awful turnover here, and that resulted into essentially a relatively easy goal here and going into this game let's point something out the vancouver canucks were slash are in the first wildcard spot with 65 games played and 74 points the coyotes are three out with 67 games played and 72 points this is a big freaking deal it would add this adds another game onto vancouver and it will tie them in points so even though they will be two games ahead of vancouver this would still be able to close that gap it would be able to move them ahead of nashville who has 66 games played with 72 points minnesota with 66 games played and 73 points. And when it would put them up with Winnipeg, who has 68 games played and 74 points. So this is a big deal. This is a point when all of these points matter. And they are tied for shots on goal right now with 12.54 left in the third at, with 30 shots apiece. How they aren't capitalizing on more of these shots on goal and making these quality shots to actually go in is so frustrating and how you have players that are like Keller and OEL that are giving up big turnovers and that essentially after that turnover which was I once I watched it again it was kind of a little bit of a botched pass but so you think about it Keller got a penalty and they got scored on Keller had a turnover, and they got scored on. That is someone who is going to get a big payday, is coming up on a big payday, and that's the way he's performing. OEL is something that we were also going to talk about today, who his really terrible turnover earlier didn't result into a goal, but it still was not what you want to be seeing out of this game. It's giving up opportunities where they are in their offensive zone which is hard for them to get into in the first place. And they're making sloppy passes. They're not They're not going tape to tape. And they are giving up these stupid, stupid turnovers that could be so much better. And they can make that movement into something that is at least a shot on net that can maybe possibly go in. Because 
I have no confidence in this team to actually set something up to go in in a skilled way. So at least kind of fling it at the net and hope that it goes in because that's the only thing you can be hoping for at this point. Yeah, it's um it's very, very, very frustrating. That's just that's what just what it comes down to for the Coyotes. And real quickly before before we uh, we tell you about Southern Scholar as we always do on the show, um, people on Twitter I see a few people on Twitter yelling at the referees for this game for their bullcrap call. Stop it right now, okay? There, let's just say this game ends two to one. All right, this game isn't on Darcy Kemper. This game isn't on on the defense. It played pretty well for the most part in this game. Granted, a couple of turnovers like you talked about. But again, it comes back to the same thing. You got to score more than one goal in this league if you want to win games. You got to do it. And we keep harping on it for this entire show. But it's it, it, they just can't do this, man. They just can't do this. Can't do this anymore. Before we get to OEL, though, Corey, let's tell the good people about the – our new friends at Southern Scholar, southernscholar.com. If you use the promo code THPN, you can get $5 off your order of the beautiful, beautiful dress socks they have there that both of us now own. And when I say both of us, I mean I own a pair, I own several pairs, and, and Scotty owns several pairs in your household. And I am actually sitting here right next to them right now, looking at all of their pretty colors. And they're pretty textures. They're really soft. Like I just like how soft they are. And I'm awkwardly petting them now in in my bedroom <laughs> because I needed to be by TV to watch the game. So I where I so I'm sitting on my bed and they just happen to be sitting here um, next to me, very conveniently. I didn't notice it until you started talking about them. So now I'm just kind of touching these socks because they're they're very soft. And um, I really enjoy them. I like the little logo that's on them too. The, the, the little arrows are cool. Um, so yeah, I just I just thought I would throw that out there as I was um, awkwardly probably fondling these socks over here. <laughs> you can buy your own pairs now. Here's what happens when you go to the southernscholar.com website and you use our promo code THPN, you have a couple different options you can do. They have a monthly subscription box, which starts at about $15 a month that you can get into, and you can get yourself a brand new sexy pair of socks every month. The February box was purple. We don't quite know what the March box will be, but stay tuned for that. Uh, And yeah, and they are very, very nice socks. You can always get free shipping when you become a member. They hit, it's a 200 needle count knitting for superior quality. You get some, you get a little style card in there to make you look good with match your suit with your socks. SouthernScholar.com. Go get yourself a pair. THPN, all that good stuff. Yeah, go and get classy, Sporty Nation. We like to uh, make you guys a little bit classier around here with our Southern Scholar shop, Southern Scholar socks. Oh my gosh. Why did they have to make that a tongue twister? That's not fair. Yeah, it's alliteration. That's, that's how that was going to come out. Alliteration. I love me some alliteration. That uh, that was starting to kill me. And and I'm one of those people that can do the um do the, the woodchuck one. 
I did that and I freaked someone out one time. I was, uh, we were actually setting something up to uh, test for uh, uh, throwback here before um, Tippett's press conference. And um, they asked me to test the mic and I did the, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? How and much wood could a Nick Schmaltz chuck if a Nick Schmaltz could score a goal? How about like that? that That's a nice twist. You'll see why in a second. But this was, Kyrie's oh. have tied the game. Derek Stepan with a beautiful forecheck to keep the puck in the zone. Then Nick Schmaltz goes to work, gets in front, turnover. Carl Soderberg finds Nick Schmaltz, and Schmaltz oh. cleans up the garbage. <laughs> Good shit from oh. all three guys on that little shift there. Biggest goal of that the season for the Coyotes. Boy, oh boy, how much did Nick Schmaltz need that goal? That was, oh my God, beautiful. Because as you were replaying that entire thing was when it was happening for me live. <laughs> that was really good. It was like you were doing a play-by-play for me. It was great. Yeah, I absolutely cool. loved it. I've got Hulu, you guys. So um, I'm streaming. So I'm a little bit behind. I'm a little bit slow. But Nick flash. Schmaltz yeah. extremely needed that goal. That was his ninth goal of the season. He should be so much further than just nine goals yeah. a season with the way that he started this season out. I 100% agree. And that's, again, I mean, we keep harping on, but Nick Schmaltz kind of disappearing there for a month and a half wasn't wasn't a good thing at all for this team. That's kind of part of the reason why they've struggled so much. So, yeah, 2-2, nine minutes to go. We'll probably still be finishing up as, as they wrap up this game. But, um Anyway, that actually really quickly, though, that is the example of the extra effort in trying to keep that puck in the zone is what made that happen. And that is one of the things that this team has been missing is that little extra bit of effort to try and make things happen. And as you see, when they do put that little extra effort in to set themselves up for greatness, greatness can happen. They just have to set themselves up for it. I just wanted to throw that in there really quickly. No, yeah, of course, yeah, and then I, I'm, you know, that the thing about that goal too was that's kind of something that Rick Tuckett's been harping on is net front presence, and that's when Nick Schmaltz got there. He the puck came back out high. Soderberg was gonna be the one that was gonna get to that puck first, so Nick Schmaltz went directly to the net in front, and that's how you score in the NHL, and uh, that's what the Coyotes need more of in these last 15 games, and especially in these last these last. Uh, Eight minutes. So we want to wrap up the show this week by talking about Oliver Ekman Larson because there was a little bit of a nugget, and we won't spend too much time on this, but it just there was a little nugget in Craig Morgan's mailbag mailbag that came out on Wednesday where he talked about Oliver Ekman Larson and and what might be wrong with him this year. Do you have do you have that, Corey, so you can read what Craig said in that article that that I think answers a question that a lot of us have kind of been asking for much much of the season? Yes, I have uh, pulled it up. I, I don't have the exact tweet that was above it, but um, basically so what he had responded to it was, that would be a dramatic step and it wouldn't look good, but it is no secret that Coach Rick Tockett wants more from Ekman Larson and the two don't always seem to be on the same page. The Coyotes did a lot for Ekman Larson. They signed him to a massive extension. They acquired Nicholas Dalmerson 
they bought they brought Eichmann Larson's brother Kevin over on an AHL contract to keep him company after the death of his mother, and they gave him the captaincy. That's a pretty big commitment. But I also don't get the sense that Eichmann Larson has the same relationship with Talkit as he did with Dave Tippett. Talkit wants more fire, more of a take charge attitude. That's not really who Eichmann Larson is. And that is fascinating because it's something that we've been wondering all year and it explains everything about Oliver Eckman Larson's play this year. Speaking of which... Wait, did I just miss a tip-in while I was reading that? Yes, you did. You missed an Oliver Eckman Larson shot from the point that was deflected by Lawson Krauss with beautiful net front presence in front to give the Coyotes a 3-2 lead. They have come back and taken the lead in this G-dang hockey game with seven minutes to go. And part of the reason is because of Oliver Ekman Larson. So just as we're about to rip him, essentially, he does something good. But uh, that's two goals now for the Cowboys in this third period, both of which because they got to the front of the net for the love of goodness. And what do you know? It paid off for him. That's it. Screening goaltenders, being there in front of the net for those tip-ins and rebound goals, are massive and I can't even express that any more than I do and that was one of the things it's funny because it was one of the things when um uh, my boyfriend played ASU hockey and that was one of the things that I used to always like bitch about with their team was the fact that in these situations no one was ever there and was never near the net for the rebounds and we have seen that happen today and we've also seen the tip in happened today and those are two of the basic necessities they need in goal scoring it's really great when this team goes back to certain basics and when they simplify it and they go back to things that you've known all of your life playing hockey is when they do well and so it's really nice to see um i i do think that we may have just given oel a um unintentional push there by reading that and basically like you said essentially like going to be taking a crap on him so he had to prove himself to us in these past couple seconds here by making that happen so um i don't know maybe in some weird way we we helped that goal happen i will take it because usually i get called for jinxing things a lot of the time so i will take when something good happens in the middle of of a show um, so that's good, but yeah, quickly, and we'll wrap up here in a moment, but, uh, back to all of Reckman thing for, for a second, not a whole house, whole heck of a lot else to say other than it makes total sense. Cause if you're not jiving with your head coach, you know, their problems can be created. Even if you're a very, very talented individual and we've seen it throughout the sports landscapes. I can't think of, you know, a lot of. Examples like straight off the top of my head, but you know, we've seen it before. Like, with a guy like granted, LeBron James is on a whole different level, but he essentially got coaches fired because he had that much sway and he didn't like his coach. Um, and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, in my opinion, you just got to get over it. You know, he's still a talented player, get over it. And there was another article that Craig put out earlier in the week where he was talking about leadership among this Coyotes team and he talked to a lot of the leadership guys on the on the team and talked about how they go about being leaders and OEL 
you know, essentially was like, was like, well, yeah, I kind of take my notes from Shane Doan, who was a lot quieter, who kind of led by example as, as the veteran. Whereas, you know, Rick Tockett comes from a school of getting on your ass pretty much constantly. And OEL is just not that. And, you know, it makes sense. And again, it was just such a little nugget, but I thought it was an interesting little nugget in that piece today. Well, and it really goes into, you can kind of notice too, one of the problems with what Rick Tockett really wants from this team is he wants everyone to buy in. They want, he has a system that works and he wants everyone to buy into it. And it is really difficult for everyone to buy into it when your captain does not buy into it. So that's got to be extremely frustrating for Rick Tockett for one thing. And then another is, Sometimes it just does not mesh in the way that you are coaching and motivating a team if your captain is not motivating the team in the same way. It would be one thing if, say, he was complimenting him by being more quiet and, you know, like where he's more pushy and then um, OEL is more quiet, so it complements each other. It doesn't seem like it's working in that way, and that could be part of the problems that you're seeing is the fact that from a leader, the leadership perspective, there is a message that is being lost that goes between Rick Tockett and the, and the players, essentially, because as soon as it gets to the captains, it is kind of being washed in the middle and it doesn't really translate well. And that's going to be a problem throughout the rest of the team because that's the example that you know, they see as being set. It's kind of like when, you know, you got an older sibling and you learn how to be a certain way because of them. So you, in, and especially these younger players like Barrett Hayton, that's a big influence on them coming in is seeing, you know, the captains on your team and the way that they act and the way that they react, the way that Talkit is talking and what he's saying and how they perceive it and where they take it from there is a lot like he he's going to be watching all of that so he will be learning to do that and if they're not doing it the proper way and it doesn't mesh with the way that Tockett is trying to lead this team which i think is in a good direction if they were to buy into it um if that isn't what is being shown from a leadership perspective then it's not going to translate into a good season for the coyotes because of the fact that they are not all bought in and they are the message is not uh, unilaterally felt. So I, I think that is actually a very serious problem if that is true. That is like one of the actual problems going on in the locker room. And it could be an answer for all of the issues that this team has been having when it comes to consistency. And to OEL's credit, in the Buffalo game he had two points. Tonight against the Canucks, he had the assist on the goal that gave the Coyotes the lead. So, better as of late. And he's if he can continue that, the Coyotes will be in good shape. Because one of the things that Rick Tockett has been preaching, he did it after the Lightning game, and he did it again after the win against Buffalo, where in both games, a lot of the defensemen were able to put up some points in those games. And he, he explained, he was like, it's important for our defensemen to be active participants in our offensive game because when that happens, it kind of spurs everything else on. And, and we're seeing that tonight with the OEL 
assist, and we're seeing it with you know Jordan Arsley had a goal recently, um, and uh, and that's very important. So good for OEL. He's actually playing, you know, at least putting up points. I wouldn't say playing well because he had that really terrible turnover earlier in the game, but putting up points very important. Um, four and a half minutes left to go in this Canucks game. I don't know if we're going to keep talking for that long because we don't really have much else to talk about, and it's really late. And uh, so we're probably going to wrap up here before the end of the game. So hopefully nothing else crazy happens. Any uh, Really quickly, though. Go ahead. For everyone, um, we had promised them this. So um, I was able to make it off the training hill, you guys. And I made it down the, I guess, technically the bunny hill. I didn't realize it was a bunny hill. I thought it was the normal one until someone told me it wasn't. Um, five times. So um, I did survive. Nothing is broken, and I did actually make it um, forward on the skis, which was surprising because I literally told my parents that I was not going to be moving, and they could not make me um, because I hated even just standing on the skis. So um, uh, margaritas were involved to get myself to actually move forward, but and I was very, very sore after the second day of skiing i was crawling up the stairs of the place that we were staying so it was very exhausting and very painful but i did make it through it and um i actually started enjoying myself towards the end um i definitely don't look the coolest but i was making it down and i think that's really all i can hope for myself because i was scared shitless in the beginning and you didn't run anybody over no, I did not run anyone over. Progress. Um, I did get to hear my mom, who is who is like a, a school teacher, so it's really great. I got to hear her like full blown like get angry at some people though, because um, my first time getting off the ski lift, a whole bunch of people were just standing there, right, like right off the ski lift. So I of course freaked out and fell backwards, so that way I wouldn't hit them. But then, of course, that freaked me out because I was already really nervous. Um, so I got really anxietyed out from that. And, like, got they had, of course, ru- rush me back up before the next people got off the, uh, um, the ski lift because the person who was, like, running the ski lift wasn't even near the controls. They were down by the people who were standing there. Odd. But so she quickly pulled me up, and I had to try and, like, rush myself out of the way. And then after I rushed myself out of the way, a snowboarder came and hit me and kept on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then um, I didn't fall, which was good. And then um, decided to keep staying in my way after that. And so I did get to see my mom get mad at some people because they either hit me or wouldn't get out of my way when I was trying to learn. So that was, um, that was kind of cool, but I know I, I thankfully did not hit anyone this time. Um, I did use that story to help a girl that was learning how to ski and was very scared though, because she was afraid she was going to hit people. And I, I told her, don't worry. I already hit a whole group of people. And, uh, so you can't be worse than me. Well, I'm glad you had fun. Sorry again that we had a best of uh, back on Monday, but both of us were obviously busy. I was out at the uh, Innings Festival, which was great, by the way. Um, headlined by Weezer. 
headlined by Weezer. I was going to say he was going to see the band that he likes, and I don't. I'm sorry, Weezer fans. I've never been a Weezer fan. Um, and and yeah, Weezer was great. They were they are a great live band. Um, they know how to play the shit out of the guitar, which I love. Um, and uh, they were they were incredible. It was awesome because they played. All of their like all of their hits, all of that like they played some cover songs. They played Africa, which was awesome. Funny it was pretty fun to hear hear live, and uh, yeah, it was a great time. So sorry we we missed you on Monday. We're back about a minute and a half to go in this Vancouver Arizona game. The Coyotes still leading three to two. For me, there's two minutes left, and uh, and then Vancouver has an empty net, and the Coyotes cannot score into the empty net because. You know, that's hard to do. Uh, anyway, before we go quickly, we need to tell you about a contest that we have up on the network now that could net you a $200 gift card to uh, coolhockey.com. But here's how you do it. Essentially, you're going to go to tankathon.com and you are going to sim their draft lottery simulator. And then... You can do it as many times as you like, and essentially you're going to try and predict who wins the draft lottery. And if yet the one with the most right, essentially, is going to win themselves a $200 gift card to uh, coolhockey.com. We'll post all the details on our Twitter, at Corey underscore Richie Show, for more information. So that's a lot of cool. Got a lot of cool stuff going on at uh, on the network. Uh, thanks, uh so, do you have anything else? Anything else, Corey? You're missing anything? Oh, I'm trying so hard not to make any noises over here while you're doing this because this is absolutely brutal to watch, and I'm getting very hot and very nervous. <laughs> I don't blame you. I was watching the game, watching it as it was happening in the middle of that read. It was very tough to do, but I'm a professional, Corey. I'm a professional broadcaster, and I make sure to do things. As to not freak people out. So there's 42 seconds left in this. We should probably just keep talking until the game ends, oh and God, then we can I, just end the show. I appreciate, like, I give you so many props for being able to do that because I the best I could do over here was make faces, and they, and they weren't cute faces. They were scared to death faces. So um, yeah, when they crashed the net, I was I was getting nervous over here. So I was trying really hard not to make any noises during your read. So I give you so many props because you didn't even flinch. And that was highly impressive. And you are a professional because I was not doing well. Thank you very Actually, much. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep talking here before while the game ends. Um, important Sporting Nation news. Coming up on Friday, tomorrow, Corey and I will be participating in a 5k Corey did her first 5k last year uh and and so congratulations on that i was there for you and that was awesome to be there but this year i'm actually going to run it for the first time i'm excited i want to get under 40 minutes um that's my goal i think you can do it and uh because that's where i've been at the first two times i've ran it in pra in my training sessions I've done it in for under forty minutes, but I think I'll I'll do better with like with a lot of people there, and it will be exciting, and then I'll, I'll be able to get under my forty minute mark. So uh, I'm looking forward to that goal. tomorrow. Yes, exactly. See, once again, that happened while I was talking, and I didn't want to spoil it for you. So it looks like the Coyotes are going to come up with a big win. 
Hey, that was necessary because of everything that I said earlier. If you didn't hear my stats earlier, go back and listen to it. Big deal. That's why. But I'm not reading them off to you again. But yeah, no, that, this is very good. Very, very good. So, ooh, we might have another. Oh, no, that's where Demko's back in. I thought we were going to get another empty netter. Wait, wait, wait. That just said ninth goal of the season for Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Does that mean Oliver Ekman-Larsen and uh, Nick Schmaltz have the same Same amount, amount of goals. goals that's back-to-back year? games with two points for OEL. Good for him. Kyrie's, oh, Kyrie's get the win. Kyrie's get the win 4-2. Very important game. That's This is what playoff teams do. They were down in this game 2-1. to one. They give up two back-to-back goals, two really not good goals. One on the power play, one on a bad turnover by Clayton Keller. They came back, scored three unanswered goals in the third period, won this hockey game. If they want to make the playoffs – that's how you do it, right there. They got to the four-goal mark. Impressive, there impressive stuff. There was a tweet that came out from the Coyotes in the beat before this game. What was it? And it said the Coyotes have won five times when trailing by two goals in the first period, which is tied with Dallas for the most in the NHL. Now it's just later, but they still were trailing by two goals and came back. Two the, goals is their magic number. They were not trailing by two goals. They were only down by one. But, oh, they were only down by one. Yeah, Damn. But, this is all happening so fast. Yeah, exactly. All right, it's 11 o'clock, Sporting Nation. Enjoy, hope you enjoyed the game. Oh. What? Before what? We, we we sign off. We've so. almost wrapped this show up seven times and we're still talking. Welcome to Corey and I's friendship, everybody. Yeah, this is essentially how we are every single time we are together. That is actually very true. Um, I think I just wanted to throw that stat in there because I'd read it earlier and I'm so I'm making stuff up. But um, I did want to mention because um, I do have an, an odd love for for Tortorella. Um, Torts, I think, is hilarious. And if you guys haven't seen it, please go over to my Twitter and watch the video of Torts telling a fan that he can he will not be taking a selfie with her because it is one of the funniest things that I have watched in a long time and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just wanted to give that PSA. Good night and good hockey everybody.